You're listening to the Voicing Your Brand podcast, episode number 11. Welcome to Voicing Your Brand. I'm your host, Tammy Romani, and as a voiceover talent for more than 30 years, I've been a voice for many brands. But in today's digital marketing world, you've got to have your own voice for business. So now my mission is to help you learn how to use your voice for success by unlocking your authentic voice to tell your story and be heard. Are you ready? Welcome to the studio. Hey, thanks for joining me today. This is the first full week of the new year. Are you making it count? I know, that's a lot of pressure, but I want you to listen to my guest today. My guest is Tammy Halfrick. She's a coach, she's a speaker, a writer, and the host of the Right Where You Are podcast. Tammy is so passionate about helping women rediscover their inner wisdom so that they can feel empowered to create the life and business they desire. Now listen, one thing I love about Tammy is she is really good at end-of-year reviews, setting yourself up for success in the new year, and giving yourself grace in the process. And you are going to want to hang on for the entire episode today because towards the middle and the end of this, she completely deconstructs the Enneagram personality test. And I think that the insight you gain is going to be really valuable to you moving forward from here. So here's to a great new year. Let's get started with my interview of Tammy Helfrick. So Tammy, I'm so excited that you are with me today because it is the beginning of a new year. And what comes with that is so much excitement, maybe a bit of anxiety, and maybe some regret for what wasn't done last year. And I know I listened to your podcast recently where you, it's actually an episode from the end of the year last year where you just spelled out how you do an end of year review. Mm -hmm. Can you just walk us through that process? Sure, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So this has been something that I've been doing for the last couple of years, and I have found it to be incredibly helpful as a way to just get really honest about the year that you just had, and then to decide, especially for me, to decide what you want to leave in the year, because I think that's the, the challenge. We get excited about the new year. We want to make these new changes, but we don't take an honest look at maybe some patterns or some things that kept coming up. And then we don't intentionally choose to leave those behind. So here's just a, a simple process that I do. And it does look different for everybody. Some people, I saw a couple people this year that had super simple ones, just three steps. And that was all they do. Um, some people do much more detailed ones than I do. Um, but this is what has worked for me. So the first thing that I do is I review my journals from the last year. So I am a journaler. Um, and I, in the past, I used to have a ton of different journals. I'm getting much better at trying to keep them all in a couple journals. So it's not so hard to find all the information. Um, but so I review my journals and then I just kind of take, I look for some themes and patterns. And so I just make a list of what kept coming up, right? What was I working on? What are some things? Um, what was I, what was I working through? And then after I do that, um, and, and just from a real place of, of just curiosity, you know, don't get into judging yourself or any of that. And then I asked myself a couple of questions. So I asked, um, what worked, what didn't work? And then what were some of the highlights of the year? And so this is just a really great way to kind of look at where you were for, for the last year. Um, I also asked myself like, what were a few favorite moments that came up? Um, what were some things that I, that I found myself being really grateful for? And then the one question that has really helped me was asking myself, where have I settled? <laughs> Which this is not an easy one to ask ourselves sometimes, but I think, again, it goes to being able to be really honest and then to look at where you want to go in the, uh, the rest of the year. And then, then I asked myself what I want to let go of. So what do, what do I want to leave in 2018? What, what is something that maybe kept coming up or that 
was just something that I'm just, it just no longer serves me and I don't want to take it into the new year. That's something that I asked myself. And then I also asked myself what intentions I have for 2019. So again, this, I, I think the first time, the key is not really to make this overcomplicated. Um, it's really just to take an objective look at it and you can do this in different ways. So sometimes um, I like to take like, uh, you know, a day, set aside a day to do it. This year, I've kind of been doing it in chunks, an hour here, an hour there when I have time. So, so make it work for you. And I think the biggest thing, again, is just not being so hard on yourself of um, not using this as a way to beat yourself up, but really to get really objective about it. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I'm with you on the all the journals thing. Mm -hmm. I... And this is a problem for me. I'm not a great journaler. And I'm, every year I say, I'm going to do this better. And I tend to have one journal that I just take to church on Sunday for sermon notes, but then I end up writing other stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And then I have a journal that I call like business journal. And I try and write business successes and things in there. And it is ridiculous at the end of the year. I end up with six half finished journals. Yes. And so I'm trying to do like you said, where I just have one, I get started, everything's in it. And then yes. maybe if I fill that up, I'll move on to the next one. Yes. I'm the same way. Sense to me. Yeah. So I used I the same thing. Like I used to have, you know, personal one and then I would have a business one. And I just have found that I just need to keep it with me all the time. And I just, now what I'm really trying to do is just get more specific because the problem is sometimes I'll just jot stuff in there. And then when I go back to look at it, I don't know who said it or what, <laughs> what I learned. It's from. like having a, all those sticky notes all over your house. Totally. Three words on it. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I'm trying to, so this year I was down to two journals and my planner. Now that's the other thing I'm working. So I'm trying to put a lot of stuff in my planner um, and then also do things in the journal. So to keep it more simplified and you just have to see what works for you. I also take lots of notes on my phone. Um, and so I did actually have to go through some of those notes as well. Wow. So it's just finding what, what yeah. works for you. And again, I think it's just, for me, it's been this process of really understanding that, okay, let's, let's be objective and let's, let's really be more intentional. That's what a lot of my journey is about is learning how to be more intentional about what I want in my life and give myself lots of grace for the things that didn't, you know, that we didn't do. So I actually, I talked about this on my last podcast episode when I started my year in review this year, I got in a real funk <laughs> because there were a lot of things that I didn't do that I was really set on. And, but what was interesting was I was able to see again, the pattern. So the first quarter I was doing fantastic um, with my health goals. I was feeling great, had some things happen that kind of derailed me a little bit. And so it was just able, it, it gives you that bigger perspective to look at it and go, Oh, okay. I can see where that, led to this and then give yourself a lot of grace around there. Yeah. I love that you said that. So connect the dots. What do you say to someone who says journal? I was supposed to be keeping a journal. <laughs> like how, how do I start this? How do I do that end of year review? Do yeah. I just sit quietly and think on the past year? Maybe, you know, you, you can still think of highlights, even if you don't know months or dates that, that things happened, right? For sure. Yeah. I think there's a couple of ways. I think what, the one that you said is perfect. Really just sitting down and just really reflecting on what were some of the themes. You can probably pretty easily jot down at least a page full of themes of things that have come up for you consistently. Um, you can look at your calendar. I, I read uh, someone posted about this, uh, really taking out your calendar for the year and looking at it and seeing what were, um, the way they did it, I thought was really interesting looking at the things that energized you and the things that didn't energize you so that you could get specific about what you want to continue to have more of in your life and what you don't want to have. So I think, um, okay. either of those works well. And again, the key is just not beating yourself up, not like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm, you know, I talk to people all the time who say, well, I'm just not a journaler. Well, that's okay. Like, what is, you know, maybe, maybe it's looking at your calendar. Maybe it's just getting, like you said, just getting quiet and just really kind of meditating on it or just even, just even thinking about it. Like, I think we, 
we also think, well, we have to have our answers right away. And just asking yourself that question and then just sitting with it for a little while over the next week or two and just see what comes up. Right. And I do want to say, you know, it's only January. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't have this all figured out by January 15th, again, don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Don't yeah. beat yourself up. Yeah. And I think the um, one thing that's really helped me over the last couple of years is really instead of, and, and I'm, I'm shifting a lot on this because I am, I'm finding that I haven't been setting as big of goals for myself. And um, we could talk about, you know, all the reasons that there there is for that. But for me, what's really helped me is learning to think about like, how do I want to feel? How do I want to, how do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to feel? And focusing on those things helped me to set my intentions for how I, what I want to do. And, um, yeah, the, the not beating yourself up and, and not feeling like you have to have it all figured out in January. That's a really simple thing. Like just because a lot of us, especially women, we don't really ask ourselves that we don't ask ourselves what we want or how we want to feel. And so that's been a big, big helpful thing. For no, me. we don't. And I think that's a very uncomfortable question mm-hmm. to ask. Are we, are we allowed to ask ourselves that? Oh my gosh. The first time someone asked me what I wanted, I was like, but, but what do you mean? How do I, I don't know. I have no idea what I want. Right. I, I rarely think in those terms and yeah. especially someone who's busy with a family, you know, or, or not. I mean, just mm-hmm. busy with work, busy with life. You just kind of go through life on autopilot and you don't turn that inward almost like it's not okay it's not Mm -hmm. okay to think about what do i want or how do i want to feel you know getting in my feelings oh that's that's weakness or whatever you want to say it there's there's a myriad of reasons why we do this as women and boy I, i love that you give people the freedom to just take a look at that and it's okay it's okay. Oh my gosh. I think that's one of the biggest lies that we, so we hard on ourselves. tell ourselves and what yeah. society tells us too, is that it's not, especially for women who are moms or um, have a career or whatever it is that you do. We put everyone else in front of us and we do it out of some kind of like martyr thing. A lot of us do, and, or, or just like you said, because we think we're not allowed to. And I think that is so detrimental. It's like, I always tell people, it's like the, you know, they tell you on the airplane, like you have to put your oxygen mask on first. Right. And we as women are so bad at doing that. Once we get into this stage of life where we're raising kids and we're, you know, our life, kind of like you said, our life is on autopilot and that's when we stop dreaming. It's when we stop thinking about what we really want. It's, it's when we stop thinking that we can have something different. And that is a big part of my own work that I've done. And then what I do with my coaching clients and with uh, people that follow me too, is like, yeah, I, somebody had to give me permission to start doing that. And I want to give everybody permission to look at what really matters for you and how do you learn to live with intention Yeah. And now we're going to talk about personality tests in a minute, but I, I, and this may tie in with that, but I heard from somebody yesterday who said, this was the worst start to my new year I've ever had. And I'm thinking, oh my word, it's only the first. Right. (laughs) And you're already saying this. And it was, my friend is going through something terrible and she Mm. was taking it on herself. And Mm. I'm sure that's part of her personality. Not everyone does that. But I also Mm. think that we as women feel responsible for much more than our own family, even Mm -hmm. our own lives and especially our own selves. And that may be part of the reason why we struggle with this so much. Mm -hmm. Oh, I absolutely think it is. I mean, I... I can definitely relate to that. I was, you know, always told you put everyone in, in before yourself. You don't, you, you serve others, which, you know, that's, this has been a real journey for me because I am definitely a server. I'm a helper. That's like in my nature. Um, but 
when you're, when you do that in an unhealthy way and you take on everyone else's things that are not yours to take on, all it does is add stress and pressure to your life. And, um, yeah, I think women were just, gosh, we're so, this is just so ingrained in so much of what we do because it is kind of, especially if you're a mother and you're, you know, the, you, you do have a responsibility to your children. Right. And then, Oh yeah then we get into this midlife stage where now many of us are having those responsibilities with our parents and the roles are reversing. And, you know, there's, there's constantly something that is telling us that we need to take care of everybody except for ourselves. And I just think that women, so many women are waking up to the fact that we just, we can't do that. We don't do a service to our family. We don't do a service to our communities or to the people that we serve if we don't take care of ourselves. And, um, it is hard because we've always been told it's selfish, right? And that it's not, yes. it's not okay, like you said. And that, and and I think that is just such a such a lie and just so not helpful. And how does a woman find that balance? I you hear of the extreme stories of the women who just say, "Oh, I am just done," and they just run away. They mm-hmm. run away from their families, even which I I don't understand. But I think some people just hit a breaking point where they serve, 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 serve. Mm-hmm. How do you help people balance out the, I need to take care of myself, that's not selfish, and then still serve their family because that's real life. Yeah. Well, I think um, one of the biggest ways that has really helped me and that I help is is just being aware of it. So being aware of those thoughts that are coming up, just like you said, it's not okay for me to take care of yourself. Okay, like let's become conscious of those thoughts that we're thinking because that's the problem. When we're we're on autopilot, um, our brains are just so good at staying in that mode, right? And like, but those stories are running in our head. We just don't, we aren't aware of them. And it's not until somebody can help us start to be more aware of that, that we can listen to it. Like I will have conversations with women all the time who will say, um, yeah, I just, I just don't have time to do that. Well, well, why? Like, are you choosing not to have time to do that? Or, you know, and so it's, it's this questioning and it's this, um, observer mentality that if you are, if you're even aware that there's something that you might want to change, then that means it's coming up for a reason, right? And you might not be willing to change it right now and that's okay, but you can at least start to be aware of it. And, and, but the problem is this has been going on for centuries, right? We become aware of it, but then what do we do? We judge ourselves for it and we go, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Like superwoman Tammy over there, she does it all. She does this. Like, why can't I be like her? And then we just layer like shame and guilt and all these things on top of it instead of just being aware of it and being super curious about it. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. I wonder where that came from. And then not having to fix it right away. Cause that's the other thing we do. We become aware of it. And then we think just like your friend said, is this, this is the worst new year I've ever had. Right. And then that's what her t- attention is going to be on now for the rest of this week. And she's going to have a horrible week, right? Because she is focused on that. So awareness is such a huge, huge piece of this to just start to be aware of how we're talking to ourselves and those thoughts that we're thinking. And it's, um, it takes practice. That's the other thing. My clients continually, I'm telling them that they may become aware of it, but then it's, it just takes practice for them to be able to sit with it with curiosity. Yes. Yes. So we are at the beginning of a year. And Mm -hmm. so all the things we're seeing on social media are like what you're talking about, how to Mm -hmm. review your year, how to have a great start. Here's 21 days of purpose. Here's 90 Mm -hmm. days of this. Here's, you know, let's start up the year with a bang, 30 days of this. And then there is the choose a theme word. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've seen over the last several years, less of Have you made your New Year's resolutions? Mm -hmm. And more of, have you chosen a theme word for the year? Yeah. Is that something that you advise people to do? Um, Yeah, I I do it. Um, I'm not big on resolutions. I just think it's interesting though. I read something this week that said basically like 
the definition of resolutions and intentions, because a lot of people will say intentions instead of resolutions, which I do, they're pretty much the same. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's, it's what you focus on, right? It's the same thing. Um, I have been choosing a year, uh, a word of the year, usually after my year end review, because I really try to just sit with that. And I, I really try to feel the feeling of that, of, of what, again, it goes back to where I'm in this place of asking myself, what do I, how do I want to feel and what do I want more of in my life? Um, I think the one word, it's been interesting to watch other people's journeys and my own journey, because as it's kind of like a filter, once you come up with that word and, and what you want more in your life, it helps you filter and make decisions towards that. I think that for a lot of people, it, you know, it really takes just some intention to sit with it for a little while, um, to pray about it, to really like allow yourself to feel that and, and for it to resonate with you. Um, I think we're kind of simplifies the kind of goal driven society that we're in. That's all about checklists and, you know, here's all the things I'm going to accomplish. Um, I think it's whatever works for you. I, I'm finding that it works for me um, to have kind of a theme for the year and, and something that I really want to focus on. Other people, it's like their goals are the big thing, you know? So it's it's really just, I think that's also a big thing with the year-end review to be able to ask yourself, what works for me? This is the biggest thing that I um, really work with my clients on is determining what works for you as a person versus what other people have told you is supposed to work for you. This was, I was on a journey. That's huge. Oh my gosh. For (laughs) so many years of trying to find my answer from every new program and every new guru and every new book and every new, you know, like searching, searching, searching for like, okay, this is going to be the answer. This is going to make me change. This is going to do it. And what I really try to help people in my own journey has been about what, what works for me? What is, what are my rhythms look like? Like how does, um, this year end review help me be more intentional in the, in the coming year, you know, and, and what are some things that don't work very well for me? I would definitely say I highly recommend it, but again, that's something that you, you need to choose. If resolutions work for you, do a resolution. If nothing works, (laughs) like if you don't want to do it, don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. I have only chosen a word. I think this is my third year, not in a row, probably Mm -hmm. out of five years. I've done it about three times. And when I talked online about my process, a lot of people said, wow, that's a lot more than I do. So Mm. is there a, I know there's no, like you just said, there's no right or wrong way. Mm -hmm. No one taught me how to do this. I just heard it suggested one time. So what I did is I just started brain dumping. I just started Mm -hmm. writing words. And of course, the first words I wrote were the words I wanted my year to be. Like, you know, abundance, mm-hmm. success, you know, all those kind of words that indicated that I was really moving forward in my business. And, but those, I, it was so weird for me the first time I did this. So if we're talking to people who have never done this before, I just encourage you to just brain dump words. And yep. yes, it, start with words you'd like your theme to be for the year, or you'd like to focus on. And then as I did that, I did it maybe two, three days in a row. Mm -hmm. And I had a few pages in a book then filled with words and I just took a highlighter and I went through and I found a word had repeated itself several times. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that's, and then I just kind of went, Oh, I'm really, it's, it's really hard to describe Mm -hmm. when people ask, well, how do I pick a word for a year? Yeah. It's just this sense that you get. And if, if you are a God person, you know, you can pray about it and just ask him to reveal that to you. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you get this sense of that's the direction I'm supposed to go. And that first year I did it, my word was so far removed from what I had intended it to be. Mm you know, which was abundance and, you know, success and all those things, it ended up being deeper. Mm, And it was really such a great year of growth for me Mm -hmm. and just going deeper in my faith and just different areas of my life. And it was a profound experience. So if you've never done this before, I really encourage you to sit down and do it. And it was late January before I even got to that point. We're having Mm -hmm. a word. So 
don't feel like you've missed the boat here. Oh, another oh year. God. You know, I'm just going to have to waste another year because I didn't do my intentions, set my intentions, pick my word, make right. my resolutions. There's so many ways to start over during the year. Oh gosh. Yeah, you know, for sure. Every week, every Monday. Yeah. Every, every day. I, my coach actually just sent out this great email that I loved that said, what if the ball dropped every day? Oh Yeah. I mean, seriously, you do have that option. I also saw uh, something else, a sign or something that someone did that said like um, 365 chapters. It was like a book. Now I can't remember what it was, but basically it was just like every day, right? Every day is a chapter. Is an option for you to do something different. Um, Yeah. There have been years where I didn't choose my word until like February or something like I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it this year. <laughs> and then something just kept coming up. And yeah, I think what you said, like there's, there's lots of stuff online too, that you can Google, you know, that will have lists of words and, and really just sit. I think the biggest thing for me is just really sitting with what does, what resonates with you? Like you said, what one did you repeat a couple different times? What one might surprise you? And, and like really just feeling, how does that feel in your body. And, you know, sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's like, Oh, that's not the one I want it. I, I had that a couple of years ago where I was like, okay, this is what it's going to be. I think it's, and then one came up that I was like, Oh, that's, but I think that's the word <laughs> because that's where I'm supposed to be challenged at. Right? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's not always a happy clappy occurrence when you come up with your words. Sometimes it's a challenge. Yeah. That's what you need at that moment. Yeah, definitely. Wow. But it is always interesting to see. I, I can see every time I've chosen one, how it has just played out in just really interesting ways. And again, it's, it's just a way of just being more intentional about your life and not just letting life happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. So let's turn a corner now and talk about personality tests. Okay. I know you are a big proponent of these and an expert in some areas of these. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I have done uh, the strengths finder test, mm-hmm. I believe. I did it for a job that I had at one time. That was super interesting. Yep. And I think that I also did the Myers Briggs, but maybe in, a, I don't know if it was the official one. It might have been an abbreviated one. Mm-hmm. And now I hear about the Enneagram. Yes. And I haven't taken it yet. And I hear people say, are you an eight? Just yesterday, I was chatting with a friend and she said, well, I'm an eight. So that means, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, deer in the headlights. Okay. (laughs) I know nothing. And I feel like I maybe should have taken this test before we talked today. But this is good because maybe half of our audience has no idea what this is or how it can be helpful. So can you just walk us through your favorite personality test? For right now that yes. ask people to take that is help, most helpful for them really learning about themselves and setting their intention for moving forward in life and not being stagnant. Yes. So um, Tammy's talking about the Enneagram, which is um, gaining a lot of popularity and everybody is seems to be talking about it right now, but it's actually a very ancient personality typing system. It's been around forever. Um, and it's just, it's gaining popularity because it's different than other personality tests that are out there. So I've done the same. I've taken the Strengths Finder. I've taken Myers-Briggs. I think I've taken every one possibly out of the disc, which they're all helpful. Um, but I have found, so I first learned about the Enneagram about eight years ago, which is crazy now to me. I, the first book I read was by Richard Rohr and it was, um, Oh, I can't remember what it is, but you can Google it. Um, and he, he takes it from a very Christian um, perspective. And it was, it was helpful, but it was like, oh, gosh, I don't know. This is confusing. I don't understand. How do I know what type I am? And, um, and then, and, and so I've been studying it and, it, and it keeps coming up because uh, some circles I'm in, it's, they've really gone pretty deep with it. And so um, I started learning more about it. And it is basically, it helps you see how you see the world. So a lot of personality types are just about like, these are the characteristics of, of what you do. And, you know, this is, um, these are your strengths. These are your weaknesses. 
but it, it doesn't really help you understand how to kind of internalize that and then also how to work with others. And so okay. the, biggest, the biggest gift that I've had from the Enneagram has been, first of all, understanding myself better and going, oh, okay, that's why I do things this way. Because it really looks at um, where you go in health and then where you also go in unhealth. So it, it helps you see, it's, it's very eye-opening and pretty much every person that has ever <laughs> taken the test that I know has always rejected their number at first because they don't like, like you can immediately see the negative things that you do oh, and wow. they don't like it. Um, and so- but that's usually typically ends up being <laughs> the one that you are. Um, okay. So, so there's nine, so I'll give you kind of description and then I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about how it's been so transformative for me. Um, so there are nine, nine types, which basically that immediately makes everyone go, what do you mean? There's only nine types of people in the world. Right. Um, but there are nine primary types of, and again, it's, it's how you see the world. Um, and so the first one is, um, a, a number one. So they go by number. So one through nine, the nine, or sorry, the one is, um, uh, typically called, it can be called the reformer or the perfectionist. Um, and then the two, I'm not going to go through it because you can go, I'll tell you some really great resources, but I'll just kind of okay. list the two types, the, all the types. Um, the two, which I identify with is called the helper. And then the three is the achiever. Um, and actually, let me just give you like a couple words for each one. So, yes. so one, the performer or the reformer or the perfectionist is um, principled, purposeful, purposeful self-controlled perfectionist. Um, the two, the helper is caring, generous, people pleasing, um, possessive. So, so you can see where yeah. it's giving you some of the negative ones of each one. Um, the three would be the achiever, very success oriented, um, driven, image conscious. Uh, the four is, could be called the individualist, um, very sensitive, artistic, withdrawn, expressive, expressive, dramatic, um, the number five would be called the investigator. Um, these are very intense, like uh, perceptive, innovative, very isolated uh, people, very, very smart, kind of nerdy um, people. The six is called the loyalist. They're very committed, um, responsible. They're very anxious and they're very suspicious. Um, and then the seven is the enthusiast. They're like the fun, loving, spontaneous, totally distracted, you know, energetic person. And then the eight is uh, the challenger who's very powerful, domineering, self-confident, um, confrontational. Um, and then the nine would be the peacemaker. They're the easygoing, like receptive, agreeable, um, peacemaker, you know, keep everybody happy type person. So those are the nine types. And again, different people have different names for each one. Um, those are kind of the, the main uh, styles of them. And again, basically what it does is it, it helps you identify, okay, what is the primary way that I see the world? So like, I'll just give my example. So I'm, I identify as a two, which is a helper. The only thing I can ever remember like throughout my life of always wanting to do is help people. <laughs> That's like, so right there, that is, um, and, and it is just in my nature. I just, I see, I see needs where other people can't even see them themselves sometimes. And so this is, you know, like the good traits of the mm -hmm. two would be, you know, that, that you do that. You want to help people. You're very, um, very easygoing, like just, it's just in your nature to serve, right? Okay. The unhealthy part of that is that you can become a martyr and you can, um, ex you can do things out of expecting something in return. So one of the biggest lessons I've learned um, in, from myself is that while I was, I have always been very caring and generous, I did things to get something from them, whether it be praise, affirmation, recognition, um, like a, a desire to be loved, right? Like I was getting something from that. So I always had some kind of ulterior motive. Now this wasn't conscious. I wasn't aware of this at all, 
but I can see those patterns of how that become can become very unhealthy. So like I'm the type of person where I can give and give and give and give. And then I get really mad because nobody's reciprocating in the same way that I'm giving. And then I get irritated about it. Right. Sure. <laughs> and that's not a healthy pattern to have. Um, so, so it's helped me understand myself um, much, much better and allow myself to get to a point where um, one of the questions that twos ask themselves, a healthy two should ask themselves is, is this mine to fix? Is this mine? Mm -hmm. Like if someone comes to you, like your friend who came to you with that problem and immediately took on someone else, twos also are very big at taking on other people's problems and in wanting out of a want to help and to serve, um, but not always from a genuine place, right? And so sometimes they're not our problems to serve. So I can look back at times on my life where I can see like I overstepped bounds and like stepped in to help when the person wasn't ready for help or they didn't really need my help. You know, maybe it was better that they figured it out on their own. Right. Um, right. So it's, it's been so incredibly helpful for me to just see like, first of all, the gifts that I have from seeing the world this way are really important. And so to be able to do those in as healthy of a way as possible is really, really great. Um, to be able to see where I tend to go when I'm in unhealth is also super important for me because then I can recognize the patterns. Again, this goes back to kind of what we're talking about with looking at your year, when you can start to understand yourself better and look at your patterns and go, okay, wow. Like that's why for me, self-care has been a huge thing because I am a helper and I am a giver and I give a lot to other people that I was always leaving my tank empty. And when your tank is empty, then you know what you're giving, like you're giving out fumes and it's not, it's not helpful to other people. So self-care and taking care of myself and recharging has been really, really important part of understanding myself better. So and then once you learn to understand yourself better, then it also, I think the biggest gift of the Enneagram is that you can see how people are wired. Like I remember thinking, you know, for most of my life, how were my brother and sister and I ever, how did we come from the same family? Like we mm -hmm. are so different. And so we look at the world differently. We, we act differently. And it wasn't until I had my own sons that I realized like, oh yeah, we come into this world completely wired differently, right? My two sons are very, very different. And so the gift of the Enneagram is to see that people are wired differently and that we all have different gifts that we bring to the world. And when we can understand that better, instead of trying to change people all the time into being like how we see the world, that is an amazing gift to not only ourselves, but to our families, to our communities, to everyone around us. Um, I'll just give you the example of um, my husband. So my husband identifies as a one who is the perfectionist. Okay. And so you can imagine like the helper and the perfectionist see the world really differently. And one of the biggest things that used to just drive me crazy, we've been married for 21 years now, but like one of the things that always drove me crazy was we would be at the boys and I would be at home and we would be kind of in our mode and doing our thing. And then he would walk in the door and immediately just see everything that was wrong in the room. Like, why is the window open? Why is the door? Who tracked the mud in the house? Who did that? You know, like that was his instant go-to. And I would be like, wow, what are you doing? Like, we were fine. I don't care about the mud on the floor. Right. So it was always a thing of contention with us. Now I understand that's simply what he sees. He sees things that need to be fixed in the world. That's why he's a VP of operations. Like he can see all the things of a company and where things, you know, need to work. That's his gift. Now, has he also learned how to um, adjust that so that he can, you know, not come off because it can come off as being very, um, not nice, you know, in, in abrasive and sometimes. Um, and so that's been like, it has been transformational in our marriage for him to be able to see how I view the world and for me to be able to see how, he, how he views the world and to understand that like we each have our unique gifts and that 
we don't have to, because I think for, you know, subconsciously for a very long part of our marriage, I was trying to change him. I wanted him to be more like me and he's not, he's just not wired that way. And so the more that we can learn to do that, it's been transformational in the teams that I work with when we can understand, um, that, you know, my, my boss is, um, a seven. He's the enthusiast The like, he wants to have fun. He wants to like, he doesn't want anybody to stump on his on his dreams. He wants, you know, like me understanding how he needs that helps me work with him in a different way. We have another one who's a six, which is, um, the, um, you know, they instantly go to like worst case scenario all the time. Okay. So me being able to understand, cause I don't do that. Like I go to like best case scenario, like the world's amazing, you know, you're all good. Right. Yeah. So for me to understand that, okay, when, how I communicate with her is helpful. If I don't, I don't just say, Hey, can we, um, you know, I don't just send her a text and say, can, can we meet tomorrow morning? to discuss something because in her head, she's thinking, oh my gosh, what, what's, what I do wrong? What, what is she mad at me about? What is she, you know, now I say, Hey, can we meet tomorrow to talk about this particular thing that we need to make a plan for or something so that then she goes, Oh, okay, that's fine. So it's like really simple ways of understanding each other that are really, really powerful for teams. So when you first started thinking this way, and your husband, the perfectionist, did he push back a little at first to wanting this information? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, could, I could see that a lot of people who are wired a certain way, you know, I read somewhere, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Mm-hmm. But most people think everyone sees it the same way they do. Yes. There's not a lot of awareness out there no. that it's, you know but that's not how I see things. And so that, that's a hard message to get across, especially to someone in your same household. So yeah. talking to people, you say it has been amazing to your marriage. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go there with how, did you have to talk him into this? Did you, you know, wh- how did you get him on board with learning about this? Um, so that's interesting. Cause again, I like have known about this for such a long time and I've kind of studied it. And, um, it wasn't until probably the last couple of years that he started to take a little bit of an interest in it. Um, and so, and, and I didn't really, it's just, it's kind of one of those things that just, especially in the beginning, it's just hard to, there's so much detail and it's so hard to understand. And you're, you're like, wrestling with your own stuff (laughs) before you. And it's, that's the biggest thing I always tell people like, don't, don't use this as a weapon and don't use this like to try to change someone. Um, they have to be ready to hear it. So for him, it was, it took a while. He wasn't ready to hear it. Um, I definitely started to see like, Oh, okay, this makes sense. I see some of this in him. Would he agree? I'm not sure in the beginning. Like we just, we took that really slow. Um, one of the best resources that has come out lately is um, Ian Cron okay. has a book called The Road Back to You. And he wrote it with uh, Suzanne Stabil. And it is the most practical, helpful um, tool that you have. And so they do have a, a, a website where you can go and you can take the test um, test. It's interesting. Like any, the Enneagram itself really was never meant to have a test to be able to take it. Cause it's more about understanding the particular ways that you, you do things. Um, but it is helpful. The, the challenge with a test is always, we answer how we think we are right. Versus how we really are. Honestly. Yeah. We overthink it and we, yep. we do, we, we want, we want to skew the results. Totally. Probably it's one of those things. If you took it several times, yeah. I mean, you just have to empty your mind and just do it. Yeah. Instinctually, yeah. right? Yeah. In order to get the true results. Yeah. But that's, but so you can take the test. Um, but also, his book is super, super helpful because what he does is he lists, I should have brought it, um, but I don't have it with me. He lists the um, characteristics of each number and he okay. lists them when you are healthy. And when you are unhealthy, so the more you can kind of sit with pretty soon, pretty quickly, most people go, Oh, Oh, okay. 
yeah, like, cause you know, when someone articulates what you do and you don't really realize that's what you're doing, a light bulb kind of goes off. Yes. Oh yeah. That's me. I naturally tend to do this. Um, so for my husband, that book was super helpful because it, it gave him, it validated, like, there's nothing wrong with him. Like, because you know, a lot of times with each of our numbers, some of the things that we do, people have told us that that means something's wrong with us, right? Why don't you, why don't you do this, right? Why do you always have to, you know, get into people's business? Why do you know why? Like that was a big thing with my husband. Cause he's like, you know, can totally close that off. Like, why are you so worried about what other people are doing? And why do you feel like you have to help everyone? Like, why can't you just do your own thing? Yeah. Um, so that was, that book has been, I recommend that book to anyone. Um, there's lots of Enneagram stuff out there. There's lots of like, um, spiritual Enneagram stuff out there. Um, Richard, again, Richard Roars was the first one I booked, but Ian's, uh, book is like the most helpful thing because it really helps you just sit with it. He describes each type in really helpful detail of like, this is where you tend to go, or this, you know, this is some of the things that come up for you. And then going back to like the nine, one, the way that he describes it, which I think is so helpful is like, okay, yeah, there are nine particular types that most people will fall into one. We all have categories, we all have characteristics of each one. Um, it's oh, just good. I'm we, glad you said that because yeah, it's I just, was, I was a little confused there because I could see myself in about four mm -hmm. or five of those areas. And I thought, am I more complicated than I think? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, in the beginning, for sure. I saw, I definitely saw you know, I thought, well, I was, cause the way that the two was described when I first, um, read about it, I was like, that's not, that doesn't feel like me. So I, I have definitely a lot of three characteristics. And I also, because in, in unhealth, I go to an eight, which is like the challenger, um, you know, the, the like confronter, you know, type, well, I do that when I'm unhealthy, not always when I'm healthy. Um, so yeah, we all have different types, but it also a really great way to think about it is um, it, if they were colors. So say they were nine colors, mm -hmm. there's a million shades of each color, oh, right? That's good. And so everybody has different. And, and so Ian also has a podcast called Typology where he interviews people with different numbers. And that is incredibly helpful because you pick up things of like, oh yeah, I don't necessarily do it exactly the way that this you know, that the book says I should, or, you know, that the typing says it should, but, but I, I see that in, um, you know, listening to this other person. So in, again, it's not about, it's not about changing yourself. It's not about, um, changing other people. It's really about understanding yourself better and then being able to understand people better. And, and I think the more we can understand people better and, learn how to work together and like, oh my gosh, I just think if everybody could understand their Enneagram number and like what their gifts are and where they go in unhealth and, and learn to be healthier as people, it would change everything in mm -hmm. the world. Well, I like this because it actually seems a little less complicated than the Myers-Briggs where you've got mm -hmm. all these letters coming together. Are you an yeah. INFP and ENTJ and all of that? And then you've got to look up what each letter means and combine right. it all for yourself. And I know a lot of business people who have prospective employees take the Myers-Briggs. Mm -hmm. It seems yeah. like that might be a good idea here and maybe even will simplify, like say you need an integrator for your business. You need mm -hmm. someone who's going to get stuff done because you're the visionary and yep. you, and you don't want to learn all the systems and you don't want to learn yeah. all that. That that's the, where I find myself is I think I would probably ask someone to tell me what their type was or maybe have a session with you to identify what type of person should I hire that will work well with me and kind of be my yin to my yang. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where yeah. you, you, like you said, when, when you want someone who is an integrator, you don't hire another creative because then right. you've just got these two creative brains that all they do is think of ideas all the time and nothing gets done. Exactly. Exactly. Right? And I think the more so people can understand that is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's also, you know, having to, 
I think the, the difference is like, it's not about putting people in some kind of box um, or, you know, that they only do that. It's, it's just, it's understanding again, what gifts they bring to the world and then, and how do you support them in that too? And um, yeah, it's just been, I've seen it be so transformational for people. Like um, we just did a workshop um, at our church and I was talking to someone afterwards and she's like, oh my gosh, like this helps me understand my boss so much better. Like instead of just getting frustrated and irritated that he's constantly doing, you know, this particular thing. Now I see like, oh, cause that's how he sees the world. And so then how do I learn to work within that better and stop taking it so personally. Like that's the problem, right? We take everything personally, oh, like it's yes. an attack on us. And again, not as in like the Enneagram is not an excuse to treat people poorly or to just be like, well, that's just the way I am. Right. <laughs> that that's not helpful, but to wow. be able to understand that we do all see the, the world differently. And that is, that's the beauty of how we do get things done in the, if we were all exactly the same, we wouldn't get things done because like yeah, you said, right. like the creatives would be doing Like I came onto a team of creatives that didn't have like somebody who could execute stuff and get stuff done. You know, they just wanted to like, yeah, talk about it all the time or go jump to this next new idea. You know, we just want to brainstorm all the new ideas and, and have someone else implement them. Totally. Or analyze it to death. Like, Yes. You've got the analyzers yes. who then are like, no, well, we have to, we, you know, we can't do this because it's too risky and we get, you know, like overthinkers. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it has been um, so fascinating. And it's, and I also tell people it's like, it takes time. It really does. It's not something that you're going to like, you may get one thing or a nugget where you're like, oh, wow. Okay. That makes sense. The biggest thing I've seen with most people is that they, they feel validated. They feel like, oh my gosh, it's, it's okay. Going back to what we talked about earlier, it's okay to be me. It's okay that I see the world this way. Like I'm learning. It's they how I'm made. It's how yes, I was created. Totally. And, and I'm seeing this with my kids. Um, you know, I have teenagers now and, you know, they say not to type your kids because, you know, it is, there's, there's different discussions of nature versus nurture and, you know, and, and, and different life experiences definitely will, um, can change how you see the world. Right. Okay. But I can see with my kids how this is so helpful with certain things that they do or, or how they need to um, like my, my youngest son is definitely has tendencies towards um, identifying as an eight and he needs like physical, you know, a lot of eights need like very, they do like CrossFit or like lift heavy weights or do it like, because they're constantly feeling like this stress of wanting the world to be better and, you know, wanting to change it. Wow. Simple things like that, that have been so helpful. And that's where Ian's podcast has been great to interview a lot of different people about, um, you know, what, what helps them be more themselves. Okay. So people are listening and like me, they want to now go take this test. Yes. I think it costs about $12 on the official website or it, are there other resources that you would recommend? Um, Ian's is free. So his is um, okay. exploreyourtype.com. Okay. And so his is free. Um, there, I think the $12 one is from the Enneagram Institute, possibly. I have yes. never taken that one. Um, okay. I always, I would rather... Um, do the explore your type test and then buy Ian's book, which is probably, I don't know, 15 bucks or something, you know, and mm -hmm. because then you can see all of the different types, because again, it's helpful. You, you can study and learn about yourself, but then you can also, you can pretty instantly see some of the, the closest people in your life to then learn. To, that's what I did before I even brought it to my husband. I just was reading about him, like, okay, what are the things that, that he, is, you know, that's important to him that will help me understand him better too. So. Yeah, this is good. This yeah. is good. So let's kind of tie a bow on this with <clears throat> how do you use this new information? So we've, we've done our year end review. We've looked at our failures, what we think are failures. I would like to say they are just learning situations mm -hmm. because we learn from everything experiment. Yep. And we've set our intentions for the year. Maybe we've picked a word. 
how do we then ingrain this in our mind and and create the best possible outcome for our year? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> I think that's what we're all trying to figure out, right? What yeah. works for us. Um, I think the biggest thing that I am learning to do is just to be really, really gracious with myself and to not beat myself up for looking at last year or things that didn't happen and then making a decision. So, so the biggest thing that I think is super helpful is as you've looked at this and as you have analyzed it, truly decide what you want. Maybe it's just simply this year deciding how you want to feel. Maybe it's really getting honest about, okay, this, this is, this is what I want to do on a, you know, like if it's getting healthy or if it's building your business, you know, I'm, this is always a struggle for me, but I know a lot of people really talk about like focusing on one thing, you know, one area of your life. Um, I'm also really liking the 90 day, um, challenges or, you know, intention setting to break it down. Like being able to look at your big goal of whatever it is for the year and then saying, okay, let's get really strict or, you know, strict maybe is not the best word, but like, let's get really intentional about these next 90 days and let's really focus and see what happens. Um, I think there's a lot of power of, I was just thinking and just writing some stuff before we got on this thing about really keeping this in front of me. So same thing as we talked about with the journals, I want to keep the things that I want in my life in front of me. So whether that's in my planner or whether if it's you write um, intentions on a little card that you keep with you, you know, whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. Some people put it as like screens on their phone, you know, um, keep it to keep it in front of you and then to, um, to, to analyze on it. That's why I like the 90 days to, you know, 30 days is like kind of short. So, but 90 days is a great time to look and evaluate and say, okay, is this really helping? Yeah. Um, And I think there's a lot of research to back that up as well. When mm -hmm. you set yearly goals, they just get lost because it's too overwhelming. You think, oh, 12 months, that's, that's never happening. Right. you know, we can think in terms of three months from now. Yeah. Our minds can go there and yeah. it's doable. Yeah. I mean, I think of last year, um, you know, I was like, okay, I'm doing this for 90 days. Like we, the begin- I actually started before the end of the year, but um, with my health goals, I was like, okay, I get 90 days. I can do this. I can do this for, for three months. It does. It feels more manageable. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's weekly goals for you. I don't know. I, I think, again, it's, it's really just being super curious with yourself of what works for you. If you can get honest about your patterns and, and start to recognize where you self-sabotage, then you can get really honest and be it. So for me, it was like, I didn't set big goals because I just was disappointed when I didn't meet them. (laughs) So now Mm -hmm. I'm learning to set big goals, but also have smaller goals in the, in the meantime that I can then learn to honor myself with and to know, okay, yeah, I do what I say I'm going to do. And, and that helps me. Whereas for other people, it might be, um, maybe it's just telling someone about your goal. Like, I think for a lot of us, we don't tell people or we don't share it. Um, because Because we're afraid to, yeah, we're afraid we won't get there and then we will get criticized for, yeah, you had this big goal and you didn't get there. What happened? Yeah. And And also we turn it on ourselves and criticize ourselves. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, people go to extremes with this, right? So like if, if you haven't been telling anyone, then you'll go like, okay, well I'll tell all of Facebook. Right. And then they'll really keep me. And it's 20 things that there's no way I could ever accomplish in three months. Right. Totally. Exactly. Versus just saying, Hey, I'm going to tell this trusted friend, like, Hey, can you just, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to like, maybe just check in or, you know, tell them what you want. Like, maybe check in on me every month and say like, Hey, how's that going? You know, just so that you have someone that is accountable for you. Again, it it just goes back to, for, for my experience has been just really, truly learning to understand how you are wired and what is helpful for you so that then you can get out of your own way. Cause the, the biggest thing is we all get in our own way. That's the only person standing between us and our goals 90% 90% of the time is ourself, right? We're the ones who are holding ourselves back. We're the ones who are not committing to ourselves. So 
it's easy to blame it on other people and it's easy to say, well, this would only happen. Everything would be great. When if you can get really honest with yourself, you're the one standing in your own way. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Okay, Tammy, how can people find you? You are a life coach, right? And yes. you help people with this. Yes. So tell us, uh, where's your blog? Where's your podcast? Where can they connect with you? Yes. So the easiest way to connect and find everything is at my website, which is uh, TammyHelfrick.com. And you can also find me on Facebook. I have a, a Facebook page where I do Facebook Lives, which is Tammy Helfrick blog is actually that. But if you go to my website, everything's on there. Um, I do a podcast called Right Where You Are. I'm in the midst of uh, changing. I'm, I have been saying that for a while. It will be changing, but right now you can still find a lot of what I do at Right Where You Are. And uh, yeah, TammyHelfrick.com. Perfect. I will put all of this in the show notes, the link to the book and the podcast by Ian that you um, mentioned and Explore Your Type. All of that will be in the show notes. So it's just a click away if you want to explore this more. Thank you so much, Tammy. This is super helpful for me. I am going to go off and take that test now. Maybe we can reconvene in later months and analyze me. <laughs> yes, I would love to that hear what be, you are. That would be fun. But I think I need some time to absorb it. And I think the big takeaway for me today speaking with you is everyone is unique Everyone is different. You were created for a purpose that you were created for. Yeah. Stop trying to be who you're not. Mm. Right? Yes. Be yourself, give yourself grace, and give yourself time. Yes. Do not try and fix everything you think that's wrong with yourself all in one month. Absolutely. Give Absolutely. yourself time, give yourself grace, and just keep moving forward. Take the mm -hmm. next best step for yourself. Yep. That's what I got from you today. So yep. thank you for that. Definitely. Thank you so much. This has been an honor. We could talk for hours. I think we could. Thank you, Tammy. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So good. Am I right? I knew you would love Tammy and all the wisdom that she has to give us. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast today. If you have, would you head on over to whatever platform you listen to and leave me a review. Reviews are kind of like our tip jars when you're in the world of podcasting. And it also will help me to decide how to best help you, what you want to hear from me, and what you need to learn to be the voice of your brand and to be a success in this year in your business. So I hope this has been helpful. Check out my website, TammyRomani.com, for all the information that you need about what's coming, what's next, and I will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>